You're listening to the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict. So we're in Mukta and we're in the 21st chapter of Shabbat. We've been circling around the concepts of Mukta actually for quite a few chapters and now we're going to um, circle in a little bit more. And we're talking about mixtures, really mi- mixtures. So something which is muktzah, which we can't, which is no purpose on Shabbat, so we can't move it, which is all kind of tied up or mixed in with something else. So we were in these boundary cases again. So we'll be dealing with mixtures of substances or objects together, or one object on top of another object. These are all situations where the halacha isn't quite clear cut and actually where the sages are going to go out of their way to a certain extent to allow us to move these objects with at least with some restrictions so we're going to begin at the beginning of the 21st chapter a person can pick up his son while he has a stone in his hand so the stone is muktza it's not a clee. It's got no purpose on Shabbat. Very interesting, by the way, that there are some places in Jerusalem where if you drive through on Shabbat, they will throw stones at you. And you might ask, well, how can they do that? Because the stone is muktzah on Shabbat. The answer, I think, is they have to designate them before Shabbat for throwing. And so you do hear stories about houses with little piles of stones outside them as Shabbat comes in, which are designated for throwing. But in general, if you don't designate a stone for throwing, then you can't move it on Shabbat. So what do you do if you have to pick up your son and your son has got a stone in his hand? Because clearly the son is not Mukta. He's a human being. You can cap, you can handle him on Shabbat. So, you do pick up your son while he has a stone in his hand. And then, even extending that analogy, a is a basket, and a basket with a stone in it. In other words, if there's some other stuff in the basket that we need, and we can't easily just tip it out and get the stone out, we can pick up the basket with the stone on Shabbat, even though the stone itself is mukta. It doesn't make the rest of the object mukta. My wife actually puts a... Uh, we'll put a light candles on a tray on Shabbat and then put an orange on the tray. So the tray is being used not just to carry the candlesticks, but to carry the orange. And then she can move the tray after the candles stop burning. And along the same lines, And if we have to move truma, which is uh, impure, so a priest can't eat it, with that which is pure, we can do that, and with non-sacred produce. So we got mixtures of food here. And Rabbi Huda says, Af. Rabbi Huda is talking about a situation where you've got a mixture of truma and chulin. And we learned in the Masachet of Trumot that this mixture is called Muduma. It's mixed up. And it has the status of truma unless the truma is outweighed by a factor of 100 to 1. And if that is the case, say you put a little bit of truma into a barrel that's got, a, I don't know, 105 measures, 
of grain in it, then the trummer is, um, there's not enough trummer to invalidate the whole of the, let's say, the silo, the whole of the barrel. But we still have to take something out. So we take a quantity of trummer, we take a quantity of corn out of the silo, equivalent to what came in, and we say, oh yeah, okay, this is trummer. And there is a halakhic opinion that the, that somehow in the halakhic world, what you've taken out is exactly the trimmer that you did put in. And this is what Rabbi Huda's view is, that if trimmer falls into a silo on Shabbat, you can take it out because you're not really, you're not separating trimmer on Shabbat. You're just taking out the trimmer that fell in. And it, you won't be surprised to hear that the halakha actually does not go by Rabbi Huda. Because it is a bit too close to separating truma on Shabbat, which we know we can't do. What about this, if the stone is on top of something that we need? So we talk, dealt with the stone in the basket. What if it's on top of a, of a cask? I'm using the Safaria translation here. And Safaria translates chavit as cask. And that's, that's pretty fine. We could say barrel. But I want to remember that in the time of the Mishnah, this was probably an earthenware cask. It was probably an earthenware jug. Because that's how they used to store wine in those days. You'd have jugs of wine in your cellar. So let's just keep that in mind and let's just read on. You've got a stone on the mouth of a, of a, of a cask. You want to get it off. Maybe you want to get at the cask itself. So we're going to tilt the cask to one side and the stone's going to fall off. So we can move the cask, move the flask, move the jug without moving the stone or the, the stone's fallen off anyway. What if it was sitting among a whole bunch of other flasks? Maybe at this point, maybe we can't tilt it. Or maybe you are anxious that if we do tilt it, this stone is going to break another earthenware cask. The earthenware gets really important here, right? If you have a big cellar full of wine casks all made of earthenware, you don't want to have stones which are suddenly just falling down in places because it could have serious implications for the integrity of your of your of your wine and if it breaks another jug of wine that that's a it, well that's a major economic loss and in fact we'll we're going to learn tomorrow about broken um uh, broken wine vessels so what are we going to do if it was standing among all the other barrels, we're going to lift it up and actually tilt it onto its side and it's going to fall off. So we are really quite actively removing this stone from the top of the barrel, the top of the flask, and along the same lines. If we have money lying on a cushion, we're going to shake the cushion and it's going to fall off. Loshet is dirt, but it's dirt in a fully, I would say a fully, it's dirt as a euphemism for real dirt. So this might be, I don't know, it might be excrement, it might be um, 
it, it's it's really it's disgusting stuff. For for some reason, you've got something really horrible on this cushion, and you want to get it off. Hital, it's by the way, uh, the Hebrew shil shul for diarrhea is the same root as this word lush loshet um, for dirt. Haitalav lush loshet. There was dirt on it. Mukancha bismartut. We're going to wipe it with a smartut, with a rag. Haitashel, or if it was, because we're not going to wash it. We're not going to wash it on Shabbat because that really is laundering, right? But we're going to wipe it with a drag. Or what if it was a leather cushion? Not If it's a leather cushion, there's no question of washing. So we could actually just pour water over it until it disappears because the, the status of leather, I mean, the status of cloth is if you pour water in and out of it, you're squeezing it in and out. Effectively, you're effectively you're laundering it but water over leather is just like a torrent of water so there's no question there of actually carrying out laundry on shabbat so for a leather cushion cover we just pour water over it what about stuff that is inedible on a table so not so much the um the stone on the mouth of the cask or the money lying on the cushion but we finished our meal and we've got bones and nutshells on the table. And Beit Shammai say, by the way, this is the version of the Mishnah in the printed text. So I'm using the printed text, which actually um, I have in my version of Kahati, and Safaria has. Safaria takes it from Koran, which is a Vilna text. So this is, this is kind of the classic, classic printed text of the Mishnah. Beit Shammai Omrim Makbehin Minashuchan Atzamot Uklifin. Beit Shammai say we can remove bones and nutshells from the table. Now these are these are not human food now, so they have no purpose on Shabbat. They are mukta. They might be animal food, but like the stones, which we didn't, we probably don't designate for throwing before Shabbat. The the Bones and nutshells aren't designated as animal food before Shabbat because before Shabbat they're human food. They only become animal food when we when we finished eating the human bits out of them. So there is a question: if they're mukta, how can we move them? Well, Beit Shammai say, look, you know, they have the intrinsic status of animal food, and you can move them off. You can move them off the table on Shabbat. Beit Hillel are a bit stricter. And that's unusual, by the way. Beit Hillel are normally lenient and Beit Shammai are normally strict. But in this Mishnah, Beit Hillel are strict. And they say, we're going to take the whole of the tabletop and give it a shake until the bones and the nutshells fall off. Just as we're going to give the cushion a shake and let the money fall off. And along the same lines, we can remove from the table crumbs which are less than the size of an olive and husks of beans and lentils because they are... It looks like they are, the Mishnah considers them already to be designated as food for animals. Sfog. A sfog is a sponge. Maybe that is cognate. Sfog, sponge. If it's got a, a leather handle, we can wipe up with it. We don't wipe with it. We're not going to wipe with it because, again, we're not going to squeeze out 
the sponge on Shabbat by grasping it. If we grab it with the, the handle, that's fine, but we don't want to grasp the sponge itself and squeeze it out. Although the sages say, One way or the other, you can pick it up on Shabbat. And it doesn't attract Tuma because it's not a garment and it's not a tent and it's not a vessel. A sponge is a very interesting example of something which is a clee. It is a, 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 well, falls in the definition of clee. It's a piece of gear, a piece of equipment. But it's, none of the, it's not of the kind of equipment that can accept too much. It's a bit like a book, actually. Sponge and book, they, they can't take too much. And I, I want just to say in conclusion that there is an opposite version of this Mishnah, which is presented in the, in the Tosefta. Remember, we were surprised that Beit Hillel was lenient and Beit Shammai was, that, sorry, that Beit Shammai was lenient and Beit Hillel was strict. Usually it's the other way around. And sure enough, if you go and look at the Kalfman manuscript, which is on Sepharia, or if you look in the Tosefta, I think it's Tosefta chapter 17. I've given it below on the, on the source sheet. The Mishnah is present. this text in the Mishnah is indeed presented the other way around. Beit Hillel omrim magbehin me'alashulchan. Beit Hillel say you can remove the bones in the nutshell. And Beit Shammai say, no, 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 you can't remove them. You need to shake the tabletop. The Gemara actually clearly knows both versions because the Gemara discusses which one is correct. So clearly, you know, both of these are ancient versions. One of them is in the printed text. One of them is in the Kaufman manuscript and in the Tosefta. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Daily Mishnah Podcast with Benedict.